Alrighty, hi guys, and happy Sunday to you. Uh, so we're finally here. Um, I know that um, this condition of not being in the studio uh, is proving to be a bit more challenging than we anticipated that it would be. Uh, but never mind, it is still, as it was, a temporary solution. Okay, it's only temporal and all of the delays and inconveniences will be gone once all the work that we're doing um, in the studio is complete and we can be back with our usual setup, which is turnkey. We get in there, we switch things up, and we're mostly ready. Uh, we're ready for the most part. However, while this is still ongoing, I want to encourage you, um, please hang in with us. Maybe we have another broadcast to go um, here in our makeshift <laughs> hallway studio. Uh, but then at the end of the day, um, it's always a pleasure to have you join us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for waiting patiently. What I'm going to do today is because I know some folks have come at about the hour of noon and not found us. And such people may, you know, have gone away, walked away from their computer. And so I'm just going to give us another, you know, two to three minutes, uh, maybe five for, uh, for them to uh, get the message. So we have a message that has been sent out now. Um, uh, by text message to people that may have walked away from their computers uh, so that they can know that we are now finally on. I really, really would want as many of us as possible to get back on uh, so that we don't miss this broadcast. So today we would be getting into the grand finale of the Gospel of Resemblance uh, as far as the series is concerned. As far as the series is concerned, we're going to get to um, the last episode in the series of the Gospel of Remembrance. So what I'm doing right now is just quickly uh, uh, doing my watch party uh, from Communion House. I'm going to do my watch party. And so, folks, if you're on Facebook and you have the capacity to do a watch party, why don't you just go ahead and do it now? Um, yours may be the post that someone's going to see who's gone away and come right back on. Now, in addition to doing that, I also want us, those of us who are on YouTube, uh, to tag our friends and make a comment, let them know that we're on. Um, and if you need a copy and paste it to any groups in particular, well, why don't you go ahead and do the same? So since we have a few minutes here to wait for more people to get on, uh, what I would love for us to do for those of us who are on already is let's get into that comment section and say something. Uh, tag somebody, uh, share the post, uh, and uh, say some hellos. You remember, we're not just doing a broadcast here. We're also looking to get some fellowship time in. Say hello to somebody. Let them know that you are there. And if there's anyone that you've been talking to about this series, the Gospel of Remembrance, and uh, want them to hear it live, why don't you send them a message right now? Let them come in and join us. Let them come in and join us. As I was preparing for, as we were preparing for this broadcast, um, I went upstairs and I was just pressing in. I, I knew that I was seeing something uh, and I wanted to see it clearly. And so uh, that's the word that I'm going to be opening with today. I'm going to be opening it, opening with that word. Uh, but I want to wait until, because I know the way that I would know that the text message has gone out is if I've gotten it myself. And um, so... I haven't gotten it, so we're just going to wait a few more minutes um, and send out the message um, so that we can um, ensure that we recovered our people that we lost while the delay um, 
why we were being delayed from starting. So in the meantime, actually, now that we are here, I know that folks who listen afterwards would also catch this thing from the beginning. So whatever it is I say now is not going to be completely lost. They will get it. So let me just quickly start by saying this. Um, very soon, the seasons are going to be changing. And I've had people come to me and share with me uh, the things that God is showing to them. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what God is saying to you. Please share with me. You know, the Bible says he that waters himself must be watered. I get the opportunity and the privilege of sharing in our meetings and on these broadcasts the things that God is showing me. And I would love to hear what God is showing you as well. I mean, I've got the privilege of being in weekly fellowship with certain people who get to share with me what God is showing them. You know, these are the last days. And the Bible says that in the last days, your young men shall see visions under the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and your daughters will prophesy. And so I know that God is revealing to us things. I mean, I dare to say like never before, we're seeing things. And, um, and I would love to hear your perspective. You know, if, if you want to DM us, or you want to send us an email, I mean, you can send me an email personally. You can send me an email directly to pastor at communion.house. And that is pastor at communion.house. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your perspective. And I know folks uh, who always share with me what they hear. I mean, if someone they know who is uh, uh, proven to, um, to um, be a voice to the body, you know, because these days, you know, many people are saying stuff and some even dare to claim that they have heard from God. Uh, but Jesus says that by their fruits, we shall know them. If you have yet to bear such fruits in the lives of others, if you haven't bear such, I mean, born actually such, such fruits in your own life, uh, we may have to take whatever you're saying with a pinch of salt. Uh, you know, but for those that we know who are seasoned in the prophetic, and to be seasoned in the prophetic means to have, you know, um, been made perfect by reason of use in your gifting. You know, the Bible says that uh, our gifts are made perfect by reason of use. We sharpen them as we use them. And so people who, are, for those who have been seasoned or who have become seasoned in their gifting, when they release a word about the season that we're in, I've got folks who's been messaging me and saying, oh, have you heard this one? And, um, and it's great, you know, because that is exactly what we need to do. And why do we need to do that again, folks? Uh, remember the five foolish virgins. Uh, interestingly, we keep referencing them a lot these days, and I don't think it's even a coincidence. We reference them a lot because of what they represent to us. They represent the believer today. They represent the body of Christ today. They represent the times that we are in, where many people are trying to await the second coming or await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, without having sufficient oil to keep their lamps on. And I've thought about that, you know, a couple of months ago, the, the significance of the lamp, the oil. Actually, it's only a few weeks ago, if I remember correctly, maybe about a month ago. And I am so delighted because um, that message resonated with a lot of people. And even when I came into that clarity, um, it, it, um, it helped very greatly, you know, to approach various conversations with folks, especially concerning the things of our times. And so let's go back to, uh, uh, you can listen to it. About a month ago, uh, it was one of those um, house to house meetings that we had here in person. And so um, 
If you don't have the link yet in your email, let us know. We'll be able to um, point you in the right direction, point you where you can get it. Uh, but I, however, what I was referencing about the five foolish virgins was when they challenged or they asked the ones who had oil in their lamps to point them, I mean, to, to help them, to share with them the oil that they've got. You know what those ladies said? They said to the ones without oil in their lamps, they said, it's, you, you can still go and buy. The sellers are out there. They pointed them to the sellers. Now, you can't point anybody to what you don't know because what you have is what you give. And they were not necessarily portrayed in that parable that Jesus told, or if I may say in that prophecy, that they were makers of oil. It wasn't portrayed. So it's okay to think that they themselves must have bought their own oil. And that's why they were recommending to those other women to go also and buy. They said to them, go and buy from the sellers. Let me tell you this, folks. The reason why we need to share now the things that God is showing to us is so that we can point others in the way that they should go whilst they still can. Jesus said, a time is coming when no man can work. That's why he said, I must work the work of him who has sent me while it is day. For the night comes where no man can work. And so the implication of all of what we're saying is this. If I am going to point you in the direction of getting the oil that you need these last days, I must or I'm better or it's better for me to do it now rather than wait till later. Now, it may necessarily, it may not actually be, of course, the fault of the wise ones for not saying anything before the foolish ones asked, you know, because you may, they may have just thought everyone is doing what they are doing. Like, I mean, you know you need to get oil. How are you, why you, why carry around a lamp? No, yeah, my brother, that's my brother. My brother says they were being wise and not stingy. That's my, that's my eldest sibling, and we do have almost weekly, we try to make it weekly fellowship, and such a powerful, um, uh, such a graced man of God in the area of prophetic insight, especially in the times that we're in. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for chiming in with that one. They weren't being stingy, they were being wise. And so the, the morale of the story is this. If we don't ask others to share with us their insights, their perspective, they may have gotten something that we need, but are still lacking. They may have gotten a hold of something that we need, but we do not have yet. Imagine if the wise virgins had been engaged by the foolish ones on the way to the pickup point, saying, ladies, what, what have you been doing? How have you been preparing to receive the bridegroom? Those ones would have said, oh yeah, we, we went a few days ago and we bought some oil and we, we were ready to make sure that however long it takes for the bridegroom to come, we'll be ready. At that moment, it could have been, uh, it could have been an aha moment for the foolish ones to say, oops, we didn't get more than just a little oil in our lamps. Maybe it's time to go and buy. You see what I mean, folks? Because when we ask, we receive. But if we ask not, the Bible says we have not. And that is the reason why. I am leading by example here, folks, and saying, tell me, how have you been preparing these days? 
What have you been doing? What has the Lord been showing you? I'm not asking for the things that you may have been doing because you have been sentimental. I'm not asking for you to share with me things that you have been doing simply because they tickle your fancy and appeal to your emotions. I am more particular about every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am not asking for the things that you have done to satisfy some kind of thirst or hunger that you have because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am asking in particular to know what God has been saying to you. Now, if the issue is that you haven't been hearing God, I want to tell you firsthand, as I like to say, it's not because God isn't speaking, it's because you may not have learned how to hear. Alrighty. So now that we've given uh, plenty of time for folks to, um, to join in, uh, who may have been uh, waiting and not uh, seen us at the hour of 12, I would like to go on ahead now and Tell us the picture that I saw as we were preparing for today's broadcast. As we were preparing for today's broadcast, which will be the, you know, the last in the series for now of the gospel of resemblance. I saw a lady who was pressing in before the presence of God, before the Lord in her closet. She was pressing in to hear more and to see more. But what I kept hearing was hang up the other line, hang up the other line. And when I looked closely, this is what I found. There are so many of us in the body of Christ today, yet in this world, who are looking to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches, who are looking to see what God is showing, who genuinely believe that we are in the last days and in the days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, who expect that as young men, they need to see visions, who know that they need to dream dreams, who know that they need to prophesy. And yet it seems like they just can't seem to make out what the Lord is saying. The Lord will have me say to you folks, it is time to hang up the other line. There are people that you are listening to that are occupying and keeping your line engaged. And when your line is engaged, how can you hear what the Lord is saying? Imagine just, it's almost the same thing as when you have a phone call and you're talking to somebody on the phone and another call is coming in. As long as you stay on that one call, that other call is not gonna badge in and just break into your conversation. You need to let it in. And while I was yet meditating on that, which the Lord showed me, this scripture came to my heart and I would like for us to read it together. It's a scripture that I could, that we, many of us can, uh, many of us know by heart, but I believe it is essential for, for us to actually read it together. So let's go to the book of Revelations chapter three. Now, when this scripture came to my mind, Revelations chapter three today, I knew that we would need to pray together. It was shown to me that I was praying over you and I would pray. And when I pray, you would hear the things that the Lord has shown to me that we need to have become a part of our day to day existence. All right. But first of all, let us read Revelation chapter three, Revelation chapter three. I would read from verse 19. And this is what it says. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The Lord is saying, as many as I love, I will rebuke and I will chastise. I will do things to get your attention. I will do things that may make you feel uncomfortable. You may not like to hang up the call with some of these other folks that are occupying your line. You may not like to let go of some of those things that you've always engaged in, some of those things that you've become accustomed to doing to the point wherein if you don't do them, you feel like something is missing in your life. But the Lord is saying, if you continue to turn the deaf ear 
to that which I am saying because of my love for you, I will bring the rebuke and I will chasten you or chastise you just to get your attention. Do you know that there are times when people come to our houses to bless us, to add to us, to bring the word of the Lord or to bring something precious? Their arrival inconveniences us because we don't want to stop doing what we were doing. You can relate with that. Now, let me tell you that the same thing is what the Lord is saying here. Verse 20 goes on to say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus says, I want to come in. I am knocking. That call waiting that you have on your phone is letting you know that you have, a, you have a call coming in from the Holy Spirit. And in order for you to have that conversation with him, you need to hang up the other line. You need to switch to this one and hear first what the Lord is saying. Let me tell you something. A lot of those other things that you are doing, you are doing to fill the thirst and the hunger that is on the inside of you, which in fact is a thirst and a hunger that, that is reserved for the Lord himself to come through. So I say it again as the Lord said to me, hang up that line. Someone in your life is taking too much of your time and you know it. The Holy Spirit has been checking you in your heart to hang up that line, to put a pause on that fellowship to put a hold on that conversation until you have heard more clearly from God. You even ask yourself things about that relationship and ask and say, you know what, if only I knew what God was saying about this, what, this relationship. We engage in conversations with people and they bring their own opinions. And we're like, oh my God, if only I can know what God is saying about what this person is asking me, about what this person is saying. The only way you are going to know is if you hang up that line, if you withdraw yourself from those, from those debates and those conversations, and once again, let the Lord have your attention. Give the Lord your attention. Let some of those things drop off so that you can come on and have that fellowship with the Lord. You know it. And let me tell you something. After Jesus said, if you open the door and let me come in, what was the next thing that he says? He says to him that overcomes. It's right there. Verse 21. It says, and to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And the way we get all these things done, Jesus says in verse 22, is let him who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Jesus is saying, first of all, this is how it works. I will come to you. And if you can overcome all the distractions, if you can recognize all of what I am doing to get your attention, all of the turmoil that is going on in the world, all of the chaos that is going on around you, all of the disappointments that you have experienced, even some of the heartbreaks are there for you to withdraw from unholy concomitances and from holy alliances so that you can seek the Lord. If you can overcome the distraction and recognize the call to fellowship, I will come to you. I will come in fellowship with you. And that is the way you earn the invitation to come to me. Jesus says, when you get that situated, then I will then call you to come and sit with me. So the first thing is this, folks. You need to let him come and sit with you first. You need to open the door and hang up on those conversations that have been nothing but distractions so that the Lord can come into your heart. And when it comes into your heart, he exalts you and elevates you to sit with him. 
Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I may be saying what sounds like what I have been saying for a while. It's become a rhetoric of mine to invite people into intimacy with the Lord. But if that is the commission, that's, if that is the call of God, or that is part of what God has called me to do, I'm going to continue to do it until I see Christ formed in you, the hope of glory. Because Jesus always listened to the Father. He says, the things that I say are the ones that I hear my father say. The things that I do are the ones that I've seen my father do. And so if we will truly overcome in these last days, if we truly will be a lighthouse, if we truly will be that influence that God wants us to be in the lives of others, we need to get back into that place of sweet fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Alrighty, and I believe by the grace of God that that actually makes for a great segue into the final teaching for this series, The Gospel of Resemblance. One of the things that I would love to share with us today to wrap up on the Gospel of Resemblance is... Oh, there you go. It's not the Gospel of Resent, Siri. It is the Gospel of Resemblance. Look at Siri. Siri is trying to get into this conversation. No, you're not welcome. You are a distraction and I have overcome you. Come on now. <laughs> God is good. So I was saying this today, we're going to be talking about Lazarus. I was having a conversation with one of our leaders and a dear friend of mine. And one of the questions that he asked me unveiled something that has just been brewing in my spirit. And that is to let my brothers and sisters and others in the body of Christ know what Lazarus is and who Lazarus is. We know that Lazarus was the one Jesus raised from the dead, but Jesus raised Lazarus as a witness, as an example for you and I to see so that we can know exactly how to benefit the most from the power of God. Now, this power of resurrection that Lazarus experienced is a power that is at work in you. So when we're talking about the gospel of resemblance, and we're talking about how we take on the image of Christ. The ultimate benefit from that is the same way Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You need to raise others up from the dead. When others come in touch with you and in contact with you and you come in touch with their lives, the things that have been dead in their lives should come to life again. The hunger and the thirst for the things of God, the focus on the kingdom of heaven that may have been blinded by the cares of this world needs to be restored. They need to have their focus restored to the kingdom of God. Life needs to flow and needs to emanate and to ensue from you because it is one thing to seek to aspire to the image of Christ, it is yet another thing to know what to do with it when you get there. And you see the theme here, folks, is God is reminding us who we are, what we are, and why we are. On Saturday last week, I taught, and that was the, the message that we broadcast yesterday night um, on Facebook and on YouTube. So if you haven't caught up with it, go and watch it. It is titled From Righteousness to Holiness, where we were reminded that righteousness is the identity of the believer and identity comes for you to have access. And so don't just stop at having the identity of righteousness. 
Go and do with righteousness what it was intended for. Righteousness was given to you or you received the identity of righteousness that you may pursue the higher calling. And the higher calling is to be holy even as your heavenly father is holy. And I don't mean to preach that message, but it's right there. It's available for you. Go and listen to it from righteousness to holiness. But the reason why I mentioned it is because there is a theme here. God is reminding us of who we are, what we are, and why we are. So we would look at that example today, the example of the man called Lazarus. So why don't you come with me to the book of John chapter 11. But before we read the book of John chapter 11, today I have shared with us a vision that I saw of how distraction is keeping folks from hearing what God is saying. And how many of us may misunderstand the chastening or the chastisements or the, or the, or the, the things that the Lord is doing to get our attention, the knocking on the door. You know, some of us are still getting hung up on that person who broke our hearts. We're still getting up on that opportunity that left us disappointed. And rather than turn from those things and seek and seek the Lord, we're dwelling on those by unforgiveness. We're dwelling on those by being overly analytical and critical and cynical of others. Rather than seeing what the Lord may be doing through that situation. Remember that all things work together for good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Jesus likens the chastising of the Lord. And all that the Lord does to get your attention, he likens it to knocking on the door. He just wants to get your attention. And so today I want to pray for you that your eyes of understanding may be open to see the need to seek the Lord. That you may recognize every one of those relationships that you have found yourself in that are not expedient for your growth. Those relationships that you're in, those many hours that you spend on the phone, talking and just exchanging opinions and buying and selling from one another ideologies, I pray that your eyes will be open to see the futility of such parasitic and unholy alliances that once again, your heart will pay attention to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you because we are in this world, but we are not of this world. I pray today for my brothers and sisters, who may yet to shake off the beast into the fire, who may yet to put these distractions out that they may see you, that Lord, by the measure of that faith that you have inseminated in each and every one of us, we will rise up to kick out the distraction and keep our ears to the ground of your word that we may hear what you are saying unto the churches. Now, this is what I'm picking up in my spirit. Some of you actually the distraction in your life has become a stronghold and you need to bring your authority to bear to resist the devil that he may flee from you. Remember that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down the thought patterns that we have become accustomed to particularly those ones that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ. So once again, I encourage you, bring your authority to bear and say that in the name of Jesus, I say no to this conversation. I say no to this friendship. I say no to this relationship. I say no to this habit. I say no to this culture. You know what those things are. Now, let the authority that you have, let it wield the power of heaven in your favor. 
Let me tell you something. Last night, right in the middle of the night, my wife and I, we woke up to pray. Of course, she woke up because I hadn't slept. You know my works. <laughs> and then we were praying and she was like, are we just going to pray here? I'm like, yes. I said, because the prayer of today is, is an authority kind of prayer. We're just going to decree and declare. You see, there are prayers that you say, which are prayers of supplication, wherein you, you humble yourself before the Lord, maybe with a fast or by just persevering in that place of prayer. And now there are other kinds of prayers that you say, which are just declarations by authority. You know, wherein you will say to this one, go and it will go to that one, come and it will come. And so I said, this is one of those things that has to happen by authority. And so I believe very strongly that somebody listening to me today needs to bring that authority to the fore. And say authoritatively that if there be any impediments that are keeping me from hearing what the Lord is saying, I say no in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let me, let me tell you something. One of the things that's become apparent today, and this is still part of the prayer that you, uh, is still part of the prayer. And I believe it's the part that you need to work on. It is the part that you need to take away from here and resolve by the authority that God, is, that, that God has given to you. You see, a lot of us, the things that are keeping us from hearing the word of God is the familiar. We are too comfortable with the familiar. We are too comfortable with the way things are and the, we expect that that is the way they should always be because it's the way they've always been. I am encouraging you today, let nothing be too familiar for you to let go of. You're saying, well, but this is what we've always done in our family. This is what the ones before me have always done. We have this conversation all the time. This is the way we prepare when this season is coming. But what if the season has changed and the cloud has moved? Will you stick with the practices of the traditions of men or will you move with a cloud of glory? I tell you what, I wish I could break this thing down a little bit, a little bit more, but it is being shown to me in the way that I am delivering it to you. Now it is up to you to take this thing to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I want to hear you and I want to see you. Because these are the days wherein more than ever before, it has become very critical for us to know what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. The Bible says God will not leave us comfortless. I don't believe for a second that while the wise virgins recognized the need to buy the oil, the foolish ones were not nudged by the Lord. They just ignored. I am pretty sure they ignored. Why am I saying that? The Bible says that we are without excuse because God has given to us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. He said, come and buy you who have no money. So let's not even go there and say maybe the foolish virgins were the poor ones who could not afford to buy the oil. If what they needed was money, they could have asked and say, well, we passed by the sellers, but we didn't have money. As soon as they were told to go and buy, they turned around and headed in that direction. I'm sure they had money with which to buy but God is even saying come and buy you who have no man money because the currency with which to attain the things of the kingdom is the currency of faith so you even you have all of what it takes to get the attention of God you have all of what it takes in fact you already have the attention of God you have all of what it takes to hear and know the intention of God the last couple of weeks on Tuesdays, I've been speaking to us about things to pray for. Now, we need to pray the intentions of God, the heart of God, the will of God. We need to align our prayers with what God wants to see. 
But for some of us, we don't even know what those things are. So I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, that you will find the resolve within you to submit yourself to God in obedience. For the word of God lets us know that it is by making our obedience complete in him that we resist the devil and get him to flee from us. So this thing is very paramount on the heart of God that we will shake those things off and hear what the spirit is saying unto the churches. Alrighty, God is good. So now let us go to John chapter 11. We will take all of that 20, 25 minutes, whatever it might have been as ministry time. And now we're going into John chapter 11, where we examine the life of a man called Lazarus. I am going to let the, the uh, cat out of the bag because of the time that we're in, uh, because of the time that we have left. And just quickly tell you what Lazarus means even before we start reading. The Bible says, now, now a certain man was sick and Lazarus of Bethany was his name in the town of Mary and Martha, his sister, or I mean, his sisters. Lazarus had two sisters called Mary and Martha. We know the story. Uh, Lazarus was someone who was friends with Jesus and Mary and Martha were, were, were supporters and partners in Jesus' ministry. Uh, they would serve, they will attend to Jesus. And, and we, we, we had seen um, the, the track records, or we have the track records of these women and how they were so dedicated. And so as a family, their household received the Lord Jesus, even their brother Lazarus. Now, for us to continue reading this story without reading it, as we've always read it, I want to tell us what Lazarus means. Lazarus means a man who has help. Lazarus means the one who has help. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you because... The entrance of your word gives light and it brings understanding unto the simple. Today, Lord, as we go through the story of Lazarus, open our eyes that we might see that as Lazarus was the man who has helped, we will see supernaturally by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we have help. In Jesus' name, amen. Lazarus, a man who has helped. Lazarus is an example of today's believer. Lazarus is there not just as an example of an individual believer, but he's also there as a, as a type of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ today. The Bible says that Lazarus became sick. When someone is sick, they aren't able to function as they should function. But this man had help. So is it possible for you to have help and still be in need of help? Well, from the life of Lazarus, we saw that very clearly that it is possible for you to have help and still mean and still need help. This is different from the story of the man that was by the pool that came, that the pool that got stirred up seasonally by the angel of the Lord. Because when the Lord Jesus found this man by the pool, and he asked him, what's the problem here? Why are you still sick? He said, I have no man. I have no help. And the angel of the Lord will come and stare the water. And every time he stares the water, those people who had help will get in before me. Of course, cut the long story short, Jesus made that man whole. But Lazarus, on the other hand, has help. And still, he was in need of help. This insight, I believe, actually is there to fix a lot of the arguments that we have had in the body of Christ for centuries. Many people have said that the Holy Spirit is no longer with us, that the Holy Spirit only came to be with the apostles to fill them 
to spread the gospel. And after that, what we need is the gospel. We no longer need the Holy Spirit. Not true, because we have several instances in the Bible wherein we are told that the Holy Spirit is our seal unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our seal. And then, in fact, we know that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will be with us forever. So he's not just our seal until the day of the Lord Jesus, but when we get to go be with him in glory, the Holy Spirit is also going to be there with us. Alrighty. So that is not true at all, that we no longer have the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I'm making the reference is because the Holy Spirit is our help. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, ask the Father and he will send you another comforter. He will send you one who is called what? The helper. He is the teacher, is the comforter, and he is also the helper. The reason why many of people have subscribed to the school of thought or have bought into the ideology that we no longer have the Holy Spirit is because they feel like, how can we have help and still, still need help? How can we have the Holy Spirit and not have the power? How can we have the Holy Spirit and not have the kind of influence the apostles had? The reason being is because we are just like Lazarus. We have help and we still need help. The good news is this. Even though we may have been sick, we may have been functioning less than the God-given capacity that is in us as a body. Even though we may have come to a point wherein we may actually feel a sting, of a, a, a stint of desperation. The story ends in praise. Let us read on. Verse 3 says, no, no, verse 2 says, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, now let me quickly let you know because we can do a series on Lazarus, okay? But even though we don't do it together on this broadcast, I think you should do a study on Lazarus because every verse in this passage is so, I mean, I'm telling you, it's such an insight into the body of Christ, into the state of the body of Christ in the last days. Remember that of Mary and Martha, the one that was introduced to us with a bit more detail is Mary. That that Mary was the one who did what? Who broke the alabaster box of oil on the feet of Jesus and then wiped it off with her hair. And for those of us who have taken, taken some time over the years to study the life of Mary, you would know that Mary is essentially in the spirit of intercession in human form. And Mary was an intercessor. You see, because it is the heart of intercession that breaks the alabaster oil, that pours the oil. The oil is formed through the process that we call the press. The oil needs to be pressed. And when you're praying, you're pressing. So this woman is shown to us as having been interceding for the one that was sick. In fact, she actually sought the Lord concerning the one that was sick. So the church has intercessors who have been praying 
People have been praying for the church. If Jesus says, I am going to make intercessions for you, even Jesus is interceding for the church. So the church has help because not only are we interceding, we are interceding in partnership with the spirit. According to Romans 8, 26, the spirit helps us in that process also in our infirmity, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So I dare to say to you folks, our problem is actually not necessarily a lack of prayer because we have been prayed for and there are intercessors that the Lord has raised. I, I meet them from time to time, again and again, I meet them. And by the grace of God, I even live with one in this house who continually intercedes for the church. And so we have been prayed for, we have been interceded for, and yet we are being sick. The reason why it is very critical for us to understand the story of Lazarus is so that we can set the sail of our expectation to receive the right amount and the right measure or the right kind of power that we need to get out of the mess that we are in. The church today is not the church that we have seen in the book of Acts. The church today is a church that has been more particular about the things of the world rather than the things of God. Many of us would deny the cross just so that we can hold on to the material possessions that we have. The other day, somebody reached out to me and said, why is the pastor of our church being so fearful about what's going on these days? And I said, well, you have to think about the fact that there are so many things that work. If, if any one of us decides to just act based on what is in our hearts, we may see a sudden severance from the world that we may not be ready for. You see what I mean? You see, because people are like, oh, why can't churches be open? Why can't pastors open up the churches? Well, you have to be mindful of the fact that a lot of these church buildings are insured because they are owned by the banks. And for you not to have the bank foreclose, you need to maintain your insurance because you don't want to be in violation of the contracts that have been signed. And in order for you not to violate or to present yourself as being uninsurable, there are certain risks that you cannot take unless you're ready to let go of all of those things. So the key is, until we are ready to be divorced from the world, there is a level to which we can be obedient to God. You see, because obedience to God has to be absolute. And for it to be absolute, we need to be resolute not to allow the world to mean more to us than it should. Now, the word is enough otherwise. Let's not dwell on that. But what I am saying essentially is this. We are praying. We have intercessors. But the difference between us and the church of the book of Acts is that they came in contact with the power of God in such a way that not only were they made whole from whatever sickness they may have had, they were actually raised up from dead to life. And that is exactly what I would love for us to continue to see today as we continue through this book of John chapter 11. So we've just read verse 4 and it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. 
The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you were going there again. Jesus said, verse nine, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, let me just quickly point out something here. The Bible lets us know prophetically that in two days, the Lord will prepare his people and on the third day, he will come for them. The way that we have been prepared is the way that Lazarus was being prepared to be a witness to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the resurrection power. You see, if Jesus had come to Lazarus when he was sick, Lazarus would not necessarily have been able to witness to the resurrection power. He only would have been able to say that Jesus is the healer. He may have said, Jesus, he's a loving friend and a caring friend. He came to me when I was sick. And he healed me. And we've seen a lot of that. We've experienced a lot of interaction with the Lord. We've had experiences of the Lord that are phenomenal, that are remarkable. We have had an opportunity to see visions, to engage him, to see the Lord move in us and through us by his compassion. But then there is yet a level of power that can only be seen if we are no longer able to do anything at all about our situation. Let me tell you something. Do not write off the ones to, that appear to you to have missed their way. There are so many people that were quick to judge the day because of the fact that they are not functioning as they should. Lazarus was functioning less than he should. And that's why they said he was sick. When you're sick, you cannot be as cheerful. When you're sick, you are not as active. You're not as, you're not, you're, you're not as energetic, which means you're functioning less than you should. So when we look in the body of Christ and we see that the prophets are not prophesying as they should, if we see that the pastors are not loving as they should, if we see that the evangelists are not as passionate for souls as they should, if we look and we see all of the sickness that is in the body, if we see that some men have become more about mammon and money than they are about the kingdom, that itself is a sickness. We're talking about the same people for whom Christ died who have at some point in time professed Jesus as the Lord and Savior, who actually still believe that they are called by God and the things that they are doing are of the calling of God. We see these people on a day-to-day -day basis and sometimes you even look at yourself in the mirror and you know that you may be sick. You know that you don't longer love the things of God as you should. You know that you no longer make the time to spend with God as you should. Even you would admit that you are sick. I tell you what, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, this sickness is not unto death. Let us not write ourselves off and let us not write others off just yet because the sickness is not unto death. And let me tell you something. I was listening to a, a song the other day and the song says, if I'm not dead, you are not done. And the worship leader that was singing the song was so energetic about it. But in reality, God is never done even if we are dead. And I will show you in a minute. Let us run very quickly for the sake of time today to John, the same chapter, verse 11. And I mean, chapter 11, verse 25. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in me? Verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the son of God, who is come into the world. 
Jesus made a declaration here. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. If any man be in me, though he were dead, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is the point where someone is saying, Brother Moses, I thought we were still talking about the gospel of resemblance. Yes. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, as I am, so are you. This is the reason why it is very important for us to be like him. For us to recognize that we are like him. Jesus did not write off the one that was sick. He pronounced that the sickness was not unto death. And he told the disciples that Lazarus is asleep. Even after he knew that the sickness had resulted into death. Now the conflict that a lot of us come to is the same conflict that the disciples came to. Before Jesus made this declaration saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He said to his disciples that our friend Lazarus is now asleep. Let us go that we may wake him up. And the disciples were like, oh, that's, if he's asleep, he's going to wake up. But Jesus saying, well, by sleeping, I mean that he's actually stopped breathing. And they were like, what? Lazarus is dead? Let us go and be buried with him. The reason why they said that was because in their own human nature, when somebody was dead, they were dead and done. So when you're dead, men are done with you. But when you are dead, God is not done with you because he is the resurrection and the life. So folks, are we truly like Jesus? If we are like Jesus, let's stop trying to go and bury ourselves with the dead. Now, let me explain to you the way the Lord showed to me what it means when the disciple says, let us go and be buried with him. In fact, I think it is in, 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 interesting um, that we read that together. You see, Jesus said in verse 11, he said to them, which is John 11, 11, these things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then verse 12, the disciple said, well, if he sleeps, it will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. The disciples, their utterance was not that of faith. It was that of their tradition. It was that of the mentality that they have always had. In their minds, they thought once you're dead, you are forgotten. You are gone. The implication of that is this. Many of us, what we do not know is that that same brother or sister of yours who has stopped bearing fruits of holiness, who have stopped bearing fruits of righteousness, the moment you say in your heart that it is over for them, that, oh, I remember that person used to be in love with the Lord. Now, what a shame. You know what you're saying is, I want to be buried with you. And how is that so? That which is lacking in their lives, in their lives, is always redeemable by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what have you been called to? You have been called to be a witness of that power. You bury the gift of God that is on the inside of you when you come to such a conclusion about the body of Christ. 
Many of us have come to all kinds of conclusions about folks in the body of Christ, about the body as a whole, and how do we do that? How do we show that we have come to a conclusion that there is no more power, that there is no more influence, that there is no more relevance because we have now turned to the world for answers. Today, we have so-called pastors who are supposed to be an example to others who have gone to the world. The other day, I saw a well-known pastor in this country go to the children of this world for marriage counseling. And rather than looking into the word of life, into the word of God for wisdom on how to enjoy marriage as intended by God, they are taking counsel from a new age shrink who does not even believe in the Lord Jesus. If anything at all, a new age shrink who is teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. And here is a pastor who is being looked up to by many doing that. That is an example of us giving up on the body. That is an example of us turning elsewhere for help because we have concluded that there is nothing of help in the body of Christ. If that pastor is having trouble in his marriage, there are still believers in the body of Christ that we can go to rather than saying, you know what? I'm not finding help in the church. I am going out in the world. By so doing, you are burying your own light. The disciple says, let us go and die with him. And Jesus says, no, that is not what we do. I am the resurrection and the life. And you also need to recognize that you having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you have the resurrection power with which to breathe life into situations rather than writing people off on their sick beds and rather than writing off the body of Christ has been powerless. And so because the body is powerless, we have to turn to politics for salvation. We have to turn to policies for help. We have to turn to corporations for deliverance. Whereas in fact, what we need to do is cry out like Jesus cried out for Lazarus to come forth. If we truly are going to be walking around in this life with the resemblance that we have, with the image of Christ that we are, because we are made in his image and in his likeness. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we continue to behold him, as we behold his glory, we have been changed and transformed into that same image from a level of glory to another level of glory. Folks, let this mind be in you with what's all, which was also in Christ Jesus. If there's any sick amongst you, it is your duty to lay hands on them and pray for them. And if they're not close to you, it is your duty to go in the closet and enter seed for them like Mary interceded by pouring the oil on the feet and Jesus says concerning that same Mary that when she did that she was anointing my, anointing my body for burial which essentially is preparing my body for resurrection because if somebody's body is only intended to be buried and forgotten then there is no need necessarily for you to preserve it from smelling bad but if you have hope genuinely that one day that body will rise again you want it to rise up smelling fresh as though it was never dead What we need to do, brothers and sisters, is to begin to pour the oil of love and intercession on those amongst us who may not be functioning as they should function. And even when they stop breathing, when they appear to us to have completely lost the life of Christ, let us not bury them with our sentiments and with our judgment. Let us recognize that as Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you also have that resurrection power on the inside of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, 
if you recognize what that Romans 8, 11 says, you will begin to think and act differently. This is what it says. The Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body by his Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit as Jesus had the Holy Spirit. And even though the things around us may seem to be falling short of the glory, let us not write off the body because very soon there will be a resurrection from the dead. The body of Jesus Christ on the earth will rise again as the dry bones that Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw. We will come together in unity. We know prophetically the Lord revealed to us a couple of months ago that there is a divine reconciliation that is coming. I was telling somebody yesterday, I said, isn't it funny that it was just about the week or two weeks after I preached the message, divine reconciliation, that we began to see such egregious levels of division in the body of Christ, wherein Christians were attacking each other over the face mask, whether we're attacking each other over gathering together, attacking each other over Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. It was just a few weeks after, or a few days actually after I preached that gospel. But guess what? I am not deterred by the things that are happening around me because after reaching out to Jesus about the sickness, Lazarus was actually then, he, he stopped breathing. And so we may have been talking about division in the body of Christ in a little form, and now we're seeing even more division, but we're not moved by what we see because I know the sickness is not unto death. And I know the things that are dead in the body are only dead as though we are asleep. We will be aroused again to life by the hand of God. So I tell you what, folks, let that be your expectation in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the season to come, that the body will be united and the body will rise again under the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us not stop believing that. Let us not stop recognizing that. Let us stop not, let us not stop seeing that it takes you and I believing in one another, takes you and I encouraging one another and breathing life into one another for the body to come to life again. I say this and I say this again. It takes you and me breathing life into one another because the prophet was asked to command the wind to blow and the dry bones lived again. You and I need to speak life over one another. Let us stop these sentiments. I may not believe that we need to wear masks while you believe that you need to wear masks but it doesn't matter. Such sentiments should not keep me from praying for you and such sentiments should not keep you from receiving the love that is coming from me and from passing on the love to somebody else. Let us put aside all of these miserable elements of the world that have come to stop us from functioning right. They're nothing but diseases that have brought sickness to the body, but more than sickness is death and we have power even over death and that is the resurrection power that is functional in you by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I dare to say to you today, speak life. Jesus said to Martha, he said, it is that same. When, when he, she, she, he, asked, he, he asked him, do you believe? And she said, I, am, I believe that you are that son of God that has come into the world. I believe you listening to me at that power of God that has come into the world because you have the Holy Spirit. Breathe life on your brothers and sisters. Encourage the ones who are weak. Let us drop the sentiments. Let us drop the judgments. And let us bring up once again the life of God, the love of God. So there you have it, folks. As we wrap up today on this gospel of resemblance, there is no point for resemblance if we don't act as he acted by raising the dead. You and I need to do the same. 
So I want to encourage you folks, let us keep pressing on, let us keep pushing forth because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Lazarus will come back to life again. We have help, we have the Holy Spirit. And even though we may have been, we may have been sick, even though we may have fallen asleep, we will rise again because that help that is on the inside of us will hear the cry and the call of God and bring us back to life again. Great things are ahead of the church, folks. It is not over until it is over. And when is it over? When we see him in the blue skies. I appreciate you greatly. Thank you so, so, so very much uh, for your audience. Thank you for paying attention. And I pray that you will find the opportunity to listen to this again. Because the more we listen, the more we are reminded of the things that we need to think about, the way we need to think of the things that we need to do, of the power that is already available on the inside of us for us to do those things. Love you greatly. God bless you. And thanks for joining me. And I want to say big thank you to our friends and partners at Communion House who continue to pray for us, who continue to give to this ministry, who continue to send us feedback and send us commendations as well. We're happy to receive compliments and your feedback on how we can improve on what things you would like uh, to have other people know about, especially the things that God is revealing to you. God bless you as you do so. So right now, I want to say some thank yous. I want to thank God for my wife. Thank you, Rosemary, for your help and support. Thank you, Joshua, for producing, you know, this broadcast. Thank you, Will and Charlotte, you know, for making this happen, for bringing people around the table. Thank you, Chris, for the work that you do behind the scenes. And um, I just pray that as we continue, uh, we will continue to find the strength to do all of what the Lord has given to us while it is day. For the night is fast approaching where no man can walk. Until then, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your call. God bless you.